Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning Envy Pro Call. Today is July 27th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those of you listening to, re- to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use, or by visiting MotorVitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years worth of archives. Um, Going to start right off today uh, with uh, with uh, introducing our guest because we have a we have a guest speaker today, which we always love having. Um, always makes for interesting conversations, and and today we're welcoming welcoming uh, Kim Redding from uh, currently from Pintair, but let's say from the industry. Uh, I had an opportunity to meet Kim like the first week she came into the industry way back in 2013. So she's been here as part of the, uh, part of the water treatment industry since, since about then. Kim uh, does have a bachelor's in chemistry and a master's in public health. Um, and like I said, she joined WQA in 2013. Um, one of the things that I've always been impressed with Kim about is just her passion for the industry and whatever she's doing. She, she's actually worked at WQA, as I mentioned. She was also with uh, the Water Quality Research Foundation and now currently is uh, being part of the, the pretty big and major changes that are happening over at Pintair, um, which we're going to invite her back in a, in a couple months, within the next couple months, to kind of talk more about that. But today she is going to be talking about uh, the ethics task force. So Kim, welcome. Welcome to the MB Pro Call. I think this is your, your first time as a guest, which we were talking yesterday and it kind of surprised me that we've never had you on just as, as involved as you've been in, uh, in, in the industry and, and with the things going on. And, and of course, you and I have spoken many, many, many times. Um, and so welcome. Welcome to the MB Pro Call. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. So... So, um, so this whole, so when we talked about it, you know, there, there's a lot of things. Last time you visited the training facility and we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, um, quite a bit about different things and, and, uh, we were going to talk a lot, you know, initially on this call, uh, about some of the things that's happening in your world and, and, uh, the company that you're with currently, Pinter, and how there are changes occurring there and how that may or may not impact the, you know, the industry as a whole. I mean, Pintair for, for a long time has been, uh, you know, obviously a major player in, in our industry. It's a company everybody knows. And uh, um, like any large company, it has its, its um, rebuilds, you know, it has to have its refocus and redirection. So we are going to talk more about that in the future. And I'm, I'm super excited that you um, – are part of that organization, you know, to help make those make that change and um, and the messaging. But but today, let's you know, I really wanted to focus as you did on this whole ethics communication task force thing. What what exactly is that? And you know, <laughs> ethics in this industry, who needs that? And so talk, talk a little bit about what it, what the heck is it? Where did it come from? How did it get started? You know, what is it? Yeah, so it it that communication word I think is really key here where the task force was charged with helping and giving input to the WQA to help them communicate the code of ethics, bring greater awareness to it. Um, really over the next three years, WQA strategic plans in three-year blocks 
Um, so this is kind of a, a long-term objective for the task force. So they, we've so far looked at what are our current resources on the Code of Ethics, what is the current messaging around the Code of Ethics, how do we communicate that to members, regulators, legislators, the public, and, and where can we elevate that, those communication tactics, do more, do new things, create new materials, and really just bring a greater awareness to the good ethical practices of our industry. Um, so that's really the goal, and, and the task force is bringing ideas, um, giving feedback to the WQA staff. The, the staff has been amazing and creating a lot in a really uh, only, I think we've been uh, a year now, the task force um, has been working. And, and we've done quite a bit. And I hope anyone who attended convention kind of felt that and felt that ethics were talked about to a greater degree than in the past. Because um, we want to start there with the industry, and it's a, a member benefit when, and especially when the public is is kind of looking for that. Yeah, so that's my question, right? Because that's if there's one concern that I've had, and and as you know, I'm a huge supporter also of WQA, and and really try hard to abide by the code of ethics as well, because I I really believe the you know, the way we bring our products and services to market has a global impact. I mean, I really believe that it's something that's, uh, it's, I know you and I have, have talked about this before, you know, just the impact when you have those companies out there using scare tactics or the unscrupulous, you know, practices, um, you know, that hurts all of us and, and really has an, a negative impact on this globally critical and, and important industry that we have. I mean, and the industry is even getting more and more and more critical as new emerging contaminants are discovered and those types of things. So, you know, I, I, my question, though, to you in, on the task force is, are you guys addressing the accountability? Because, yeah, it's great. I love the idea of getting that messaging out there to members, right? That if you are a member of WQA, you have agreed to abide by these this by this particular ethical code. And if those of you have not that are not familiar with the code of ethics, um, we'll actually put them or at least a link in the description of this of this podcast. But um, if you've never read them, I, I would encourage you to do so. And if you, as a company or uh, a professional in the industry, strive to abide by them, I would make that known. I would because it is one of those things that really sets us apart from our competitors or the other people out there. But but Kim, what you know is is part of the the responsibility of the task force to to talk about accountability. You know, how do you keep those companies because they're everywhere, right? And we see them out there. We we all can think of those competitors out there that that are willing to say or do anything to get the sale. You know, how do we how do we hold them accountable? What do we do? You know, is the task force addressing those types of things? So the task force is focused on communication. So so we're not the the ethics and code of ethics enforcement task force. However, the way to proactively go out and police that is impossible. Um, But the way the task force has looked at that aspect 
is the greater awareness we bring to the public, if consumers think about, well, these companies really shouldn't be pressuring me or um, uh, they should be really giving me the facts. And, And if they're aware of those practices of an ethical company in our industry, they're going to go looking for it. And our hope is that then the companies out there or individuals out there that might be doing it wrong will shape up because the market is demanding it because the market has more awareness for those ethical practices or Another um, component to this that we've discussed is maybe not everybody knows what they're doing is wrong and, and mm. just bringing um, an understanding to word, if you just change wording a little bit, it can shift you completely one direction into the fear-based area versus if you soften that language a little bit and you're a little more um, – scientific, fact-based, um, you really look like a consultant to the consumer. Um, so so that's, that's one aspect that we're, we're looking at this. But um, also one area that we've touched is just better coordination between the regional WQAs and the national WQAs specifically yeah. on this topic. So that way if there's a regional action that's taken, uh, a member was was I think typically the process is is if there were to be found some kind of um, unethical practice and the membership was dropped, that then they're still not a member of another organization um, so that there's just coordination there. Um, But I do agree that that's something just as a industry, we we police each other and we, we bring, lift each other up to that higher bar. Um, there is a process to submit a complaint. So we've tried to bring also greater, um, high, like highlighting that on the wqa.org slash ethics. So there, mm-hmm. there is a process. If, if it is found, um, and I don't know if it actually has to be a, a court decision or not, I'm, I'm not um, – uh, 100% sure that, that it has to go that far, but you you can submit that if you see something out there that, that's unethical. And, of course, the, the door-to-door companies that are impersonating WQA or impersonating, um, you know, an agency that they don't actually represent, we, we certainly take action, or WQA um, takes action on that. Does that help the, the yeah, that, no, it's a great answer. I love that. I love the the um, consumer driven, you know, approach to that. I think that that's that's something. You know, I I've always been really excited because Polly Andesser and I, you know, spoke when she first became executive director about this, you know, this issue as well. And she's, I know that she takes it very seriously, and she's kind of mirrored much of what you just what you just said. You know, that you have to. This has to be something that the consumers ask for. And I also really appreciate what you said and I agree with you that a lot of times the the violations of the ethical code are not malicious. It's simply um, ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance in, in, a, in any 
any other way except they don't know. They're ignorant of the way to do it. They, they don't have the knowledge. And so to communicate that, I think, is a huge first step. Because I think most people, uh, they're not doing it on purpose. You know, I'm curious, you know, within the members, you gave a presentation at boot camp this year. You, you spoke about that at WQA boot camp. And, you know, what kind of topics did you cover when you gave that presentation? And what was the response? You know, did you hear the audience? Did they, did they come up? You know, was there somebody that was hearing it for the first time or – that was, you know, that heard something that you presented in a new light. Yeah, I, I was very honored to to take that topic and, and be trusted with that topic. I I had just a what I thought was maybe a, a fresh take on just the idea and conversation around ethics. Um, so I just walked through my perspective on. And, and I certainly did not mean to, everyone in, at that boot camp, the fact that they're even at boot camp and they want to improve their business and they're engaged in the industry to that level, that really is the ones doing the right thing. But I wanted to kind of re-energize and inspire them to keep doing the right thing. And this is why. So we as humans – our brains just we with our um, uh, our amygdala and our prefrontal cortex we are highly sensitive to negative information negative emotions we remember those for longer those emotions are more powerful than positive emotions like joy and happiness and we we are already predisposed that way to be negative and we don't want to play into that side. We don't want to take advantage of that. I think that I also wanted to unpack, we, we say don't do scare tactics, don't do scare tactics. What is a scare tactic? And, mm-hmm. and what is fear-based marketing? And why, but why do we see it with maybe governmental agencies? So all the um, anti-smoking campaigns, wear sunscreen, I mean, they can use fear-based marketing to motivate a health behavior change, and it's okay. That's not considered a scare. Uh, it is a scare tactic, but or fear-based marketing, but it's it's okay. It's accepted. Versus when you're a company selling a product and you have something to gain, it is not looked at the same. You can't um, uh, play in, into those negative emotions. And I think. Lastly, I wanted to drive home the point, too, do you ultimately want your brand or product associated with a negative emotion? Do you want anxiety and stress and concern being what consumers are thinking of when they think of Kim's water treatment? Um, Or do you want them to think that you are that consultant and that advisor and you're going to help them and you're going to bring them the facts? And you're going to be clear about what you know, clear about what you don't know. And I talked about the pillars of ethical marketing really being that, that fact-based, evidence-based, um, uh, being the, the driver of your marketing, being transparent. Can you hold an open house and invite the public in to see how you operate and to do a little education on point of entry and point of use water treatment um, to champion um, the, the whole industry and, and don't disparage 
any of your competitors and don't disparage the municipalities. Again, like small words that are chosen, whether they have a negative connotation or positive, that can can change the whole experience for a consumer. Um, And I think lastly, even if you're successful in achieving that sale in the moment and and you kind of presented a negative picture of our water quality, and don't get me wrong, there are vulnerabilities with our distribution system. There are real contamination events with health contaminants. There are issues out there. I get it. But just present the facts um, because I, I think there is, there is data out there to show that you may achieve that sale in the moment, but later on, does the consumer think about that interaction and actually feel a little manipulated? And then you lose mm. the referral business because they're actually thinking back and thinking, wow, I, uh, now I, I've done some Googling and I better understand an MCL versus an MCLG. And, and maybe that was presented a little harshly to me because the, the contaminant is uh, a health concern over a chronic exposure of 70 years. And I didn't yeah. really get that impression from the, the water treatment salesman. So just so later on, do then they feel completely manipulated and, and mm-hmm. referral business is gold in this industry. So, um, and, and yeah, so those were some of my, that was some of my take on this topic that I presented at bootcamp. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I actually hadn't really, until you just now said that, it was kind of um, kind of interesting to compare that to, like, I'm thinking about the smoking ads, like you said, you know, and they have the, the person or, or the, the texting and driving, you know. The, I mean, it's all fear-based. It's absolutely mm-hmm. fear-based. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. Yeah. So, I mean, why – why this topic? I mean, since I've known you, you and I have, because I'm, I'm a little, I kind of, uh, you know, agree with you and, and share the passion on the way we bring our products and services to market. And you and I both have, you know, we, we kind of work in our, in our own different ways of, of trying to make that improve. But why are you so passionate? I mean, what, you, you know, you came into this industry and, and this has been something that you've been kind of passionate about for a long time. What, what drives you on that? What makes you want to, to really be on this task force and to, to make a change in terms, of, you know, in terms of the way we bring the products to market? So, so two, two perspectives there. One, when I first started working at WQA, I answered consumer phone calls. And we would direct them to the website and share our resources, find a WQA member, um, or I think it's called find a water treatment provider, find a certified product, find a certified professional, and what those things mean and answering questions along the way. Um, When they would ask, well, this membership, what's a member? And obviously to the industry and to a company or a business owner in the industry, that's a very different kind of answer. There's a lot of member benefits from a technical training, uh, lobbying, all of that side of things. But that, that doesn't mean a whole lot um, when it comes down to the consumer and the way I at least explained what a member was to them 
this is an engaged company that sign and abides the by the WQA code of ethics. So they hold themselves to a higher standard and they're typically attending trainings, staying up to date on new information and uh, supporting the mission and vision of our organization. And that part about them holding themselves to a higher standard, that was what really resonated with consumers. They were like, oh, okay, so this is a good company to work with. So I have seen through countless of those conversations how this code of ethics is meaningful to them and can help direct their decisions on what companies that they want to work with. So that's, that's one side. I think then bringing, that was the beginning of my time in the industry and in bringing me to today, we really, the industry is in a tough spot. We have this juxtaposition between we're water treatment experts. So shouldn't we be the ones educating consumers about health contaminants as well as aesthetic contaminants, but holistically about their water quality. And when there's a contamination event, consumers and even some you know, governmental agencies, they'll look to our industry first. Do you have a solution? Can your point of use or point of entry products take this contaminant out? So we're very involved, and yet I feel like we have that side. We have that almost some would say an ethical responsibility to educate on these, these contaminants and, and water quality. But then I think a lot of us, my impression is that we're really scared that we're going to be accused of using scare tactics or we're going to go a little too far mm-hmm. and then get our wrists slapped. So where mm-hmm. do we meet in the middle and how this going into the future, is this something that we train on and, build public trust so that we are uh, confident in what we are saying and we no longer feel like we're going to get our wrists slapped if we educate. So that's the uh, birth of my, my passion for this and, um, mm-hmm. and kind of brings me to today. And I'm not saying I have the answer to that question. I think it's really hard. It's hard to know exactly the best way to educate and the best way to educate during a contamination event, especially. And I, I think it's just staying evidence-based, being true to what you know and what you don't know, being prepared, understanding that should some obscure contaminant uh, uh, infiltrate your, your municipal water or private wells in your area that you know who to go to to ask about challenge water for product certification or just understanding your uh, the technologies and their, their capabilities, but just having a plan so when something like that happens, you're ready and you're not reacting. You're just following your, your process. Um, so yeah, I'm very mm-hmm. – oh, I was just going to – so what's next? So you guys are – you yeah. said it's a three-year plan. What's the – what are you guys currently focused on? What is the the current focus yep. for the task force? So, so this year we we did revamp a, and I say we, it's, it's mostly us giving the ideas and then the wonderful WQA staff uh, t- executing. So we, on wqa.org slash ethics, now there's its own webpage. It didn't have its own webpage before. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of really good information there. We have, 
uh, a couple bullet points then that we've created into a poster that members can go to that website and with their membership login, then get the artwork to print that poster and put it in your showroom. And those bullet points have really consumerified what it, what ethics means. And it's, um, it's great. It's, it's talking about that an ethical, you know, as a WQA member, I abide by the code of ethics. I'm fair and honest. I'm, I follow through. I, I, have good judgment and recommending recommending a product or service, things like that. So we really tried to consumerify what does an ethical company mean to, to them. Um, right now, we are working on a video and kind of tweaking that. So that will go out uh, as well. And, and there's been discussion too, do we have two versions of this video? One that WQA uses and, and promotes and then one that's tweaked a little bit that then yeah. could actually go on a dealer's website. Um, we've definitely looked at education at the convention, virtual education as well, and just in general, social media, podcasts, just trying, trying to create more of a conversation around this. There's so much value in in elevating the awareness of this. And, and really next to, I think the task force is very excited about tackling the, the training resources and what is needed for dealers to build public trust. I think that's kind of what's next for us and we're really excited about it. Um, mm -hmm. And how do, I think last, last thing that, that we're really trying to think through too is how do we get every single individual at a company signing the code of ethics versus for membership. It's typically the company owner or whoever's renewing that membership that signs it. How do we get that widespread? How do we make that easy for the industry to do and just promote that and make that the norm yeah. that everybody signs that when they, when they join a company. Yeah. Kim, I, I have to say, I, I love that idea because there are so many times I go into dealerships and I will say something about, you know, are you a WQA member? And they have absolutely, the employees have absolutely no idea if they are or not. And then, you know, we start talking about, um, you know, different classes that WQA has to offer. And it's not only getting the certification. And, um, and they have no idea the resources that they have. So I think that that's a great idea that everybody does have the opportunity to at least sign that code of ethics, but also, um, you know, that hopefully will bring up the topic within their organization of what WQA has to offer. Yeah, I agree. All right. Anybody else have any questions? We have uh, about two minutes left here with, with Kim Redding. Any thoughts or comments? Yes, hi, this is Jose. Um, I was going to ask, um, what would be the, the procedure on, let's say, apprehending someone or, you know, punishing someone who actually um, acts against quota ethics? There is a process to that. Um, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I will because I don't know the <laughs> – step-by-step -step process internally that WQA goes through because there is a lot there. So, so that is my caveat is I'm oversimplifying this. 
but they would get their membership revoked. So, um, and the Better Business Bureau, I think at some point, is notified and involved in the process and then they they have their action steps um and there's probably other agencies that are contacted or involved in that process um but the really what wqa has a control of is revoking that membership if if there is a a truly founded um, um unethical practice yeah, and, and if it, if that also includes, if I may, Kim, I, I also know, because, yeah, there's, the WQA as an association is limited to what they can do unless there is definite blatant fraud, you know, where where you've got uh, somebody that is, um, you know, as you mentioned, there, there are those companies out there that, that are using WQA's copyrighted material and, and, and claiming to be part of WQA that's, it's been something I know that legal action has been taken against those organizations. So there, are, there's, it depends on, on what the violation is, but certainly a revocation of, of membership. And I think that that's a big deal. Uh, if you are a company who follows those code of ethics, that I would, I would absolutely, um, you know, make that known, you know, make that, make people aware of that. So um, that is uh, that is our time, Kim. I, I like I said, we will be welcoming you back um, in the next couple months to talk about the um, some of the other things that you're doing to have an impact on the industry. But I, I really wanted to thank you for for joining us. Um, I will. Is it okay if I add your email to the uh, to the information uh, yeah, on, on the bottom of the podcast? Okay. Absolutely. So um, thank you very much, everybody. Those of you uh, listening to this on recording, if you have any questions also, please reach out to us. But um, everybody else, we will talk to you next week, if not before. And everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks.